How many of you are Winston, Winston Peters supporters? You don't have to put your hands up. You can if you want. But my question is, I wonder if Winston Peters is on the rebound. Um, I couldn't help but notice a speech um, that he gave on the 20th of June in Auckland at the New Zealand First um, Annual Conference where he slammed all government policy, all other parties, all other leaders except himself. It was inexhaustive in its criticism um, and he concluded with the statement, we, that's the New Zealand First, are a phoenix that will again rise as the public wake up to the inexactitude of the government and the hapless National Party. We're coming back because we can. Now, his criticism might all be very well. I don't want to go into politics here at all. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether New Zealand First does rebound. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually support Winston Peters in a kind of a way. I'm very, very thankful for the super gold card, um, for all the discounts you can get. Um, and uh, a couple of few weeks ago, Sue and I went to Auckland um, and we travelled on the ad hoc gold card, which is free travel in Auckland on buses, ferries, things like that. And I worked it out. We saved $118 by going at the ad hoc gold card. But although I'm grateful, I couldn't help but notice the criticism, whether it be valid or not. The chances are that when people publicly criticize others, there is an element of pride and selfish ambition in it all. So today we're learning about the prophetess Miriam. Miriam was the oldest sister of Moses and Aaron. And we are trying to learn some things from her life, because we're doing this series on her life, her story. We're preaching through a number of uh, scriptures about the role of women in the church and the women in history. In the reading you heard today, Miriam went into MIQ for a week. She had to socially distance from the community of faith because she uh, was the recipient of God's justice. Now, we'll come to this a little bit later. But interestingly enough, if you look at the life of Miriam, the prophet Micah, who wrote about six or 700 years later, to the community of faith in Israel, he said this. He said, for I, the Lord, brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Miriam had been chosen by God and set apart with her brother Aaron and her youngest brother Moses as God led this amazing escape from Egypt. And Miriam was part of the leadership community at that time. So what I want to focus is on three aspects of her life, three times she appears in the scriptures, tell you a little bit about it and see what we can learn. The first thing is, we discover that she was born in Egypt. When the Jewish people were reduced to slavery, um, they were oppressed, there was a lot of hard labor. 
And having been born at that time in Egypt, she was called Miriam by her parents, and the word Miriam means bitterness. And it may well be because of the bitter labor that the um, Hebrew people were experiencing that this little girl was called Miriam. Now, when Miriam was seven years of age, her mother gave birth to Moses. Now, Pharaoh had declared that all the male Hebrew boys should be drowned in the Nile River because he was trying to stop the growth of the Hebrew community. But Miriam helped her mother to look after Moses in their little house. And when he got a little bit too old, a little bit too noisy, um, they put him in a basket, put him in the Nile River in the reeds, and it was Miriam who stood on the bank and watched his brother, her brother. And then one day, you know the story, a princess came down, the princess of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter, and probably heard the noise, um, got the basket, opened it up, and there was this little child. And she immediately was smitten by this little baby. And she declared, this must be a Hebrew child. Now, Miriam was watching all of this. And she bravely went to the princess. Despite Pharaoh's orders, she went to the princess and she suggested that if she liked the baby, maybe she could go and find a Hebrew um, nurse to look after the baby. And she thought it was a great idea. So guess who she went to get? Her mum. She went to get Moses' mother. And so Moses' mother looked after Moses in his infancy. So we learn early on that Miriam was very courageous. Um, she was um, bold. She was loving. Um, and she was being brought up in this household of faith. But a very interesting thing that I'd like to mention here is that in the Jewish Midrash, which is like a commentary on the Old Testament Pentateuch, the scriptures, they actually say that Miriam had a prophecy before she got to the age of five that there would be a son born into the family and that son would lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And I wonder whether that was one of the reasons why she went to the river and she went to the, the Pharaoh's daughter because she'd had this prophecy and she was protecting what God was saying. So what we learned from Miriam when she was very young, she had a tremendous sense of responsibility, um, she was very loving, and she had this prophetic gift. Now the second time we encounter Miriam is actually 80 years later. 80 years have transpired and we meet her in Exodus chapter 15. And the Hebrew people have just been through the river, um, the Red Sea. God has delivered them all and this is what we read in Exodus 15. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrel and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. Here we hear her as a leader. Here she's called a prophetess. You know, there are only about five or six women in the Bible that are called prophets. 
We've heard about Deborah and Huldah, but also Isaiah's wife, Anna, of course, who welcomed the baby Jesus at his time of circumcision. And we hear of the four daughters of Philip in Acts chapter 21. But not only is she a leader, uh, sorry, a prophet, but she's a leader. She actually galvanized the women together and led them in song as they had passed through the Red Sea. She was charismatic. She was a charismatic leader. So it's okay to have timbrels and drums and things like that in the church if Miriam could have one by the Red Sea, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Thank you. So her song has actually been sung through the generations because this particular song is the earliest song that's recorded in the Bible. Her song, Miriam's song. And I would love you to watch this now. We're just going to play it for you. This is some children doing it. You might remember the tune, and if you feel like singing along to it and doing the actions, you can. Here we go, Jeanette. Thank you. wonderful what a great song and that's a song that's been kind of over what four thousand three and a half thousand years okay not that particular tune but the words of that song uh, exalting God as the victor um, and you know I think that one of the things that um, happens in life is that people write songs and that song that we sang this morning shout to the Lord 
was written by a lady called Darlene Check in 1993. It was at a time of great struggle in her life. Um, poor finances, sickness, ill health, children. And this is what she said. She said, I wrote it when I was feeling discouraged. I felt I could either scream and pull my hair out or praise God. And she added, I chose to praise God. And she, she went on to say, Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. That particular line for her, she said, was something that I clung to when our circumstances seemed so bleak. I think that rings true for many people in tough times. So there we have a song that's written that I think that song will have a lot of um, carry forward into the future. It's one of those timeless, classic, contemporary uh, choruses. And the, the pr prolific songwriter Fanny Crosby, who lived between 1820 and 1915, who, who lost a child soon after birth, and later on her marriage kind of fell apart, her husband left her, she wrote hundreds of hymns. And we're going to sing one today. You might know the song, To God Be the Glory. She wrote that song. She wrote Blessed Assurance, which we're going to sing today. She wrote, safe in the arms of Jesus, and pass me not, O gentle saviour. Women who've written songs that we sing for our worship and that strengthen us. The third thing about Miriam is that, unfortunately, we see in this reading we had today that Miriam later falls into a spirit of complaining. We see both Miriam and Aaron criticizing Moses. They criticized him for marrying a Cushite woman. Her name was Zipporah. And actually Moses, some 40 years earlier, had married this woman when he was at the back of the, um, back of the desert. Um, and uh, Jethro, the father of Zipporah, gave um, this lady to Moses in marriage. And they criticized her, obviously, for not being a Hebrew. It, it was likely that Miriam instigated the complaint because in Scripture, when a person's name is written first, it's usually that is the focal point, and her name is written first. But secondly, we know that Aaron was quite a weak leader. Um, he would kind of run with the foxes and run with the hounds. You might remember when um, Moses came down off... Uh, Mount Sinai, he was the one that allowed the Israelites to build golden calves. And the third reason we know that Miriam instigated this was because she was the one that got punished. But actually, the criticism was not just of the Egyptian wife. It ran a lot deeper than that. What she criticized was Moses' gifts. This is what she said. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? In her criticism, Mo, uh, Miriam was really questioning God's wisdom at his appointed chosen leader. And I wonder what was the, the root of all this? What is at the root of criticism? Perhaps it's jealousy and pride. I mean, after all, she's the oldest sister, maybe. But actually, if you read Numbers chapter 11, the chapter before, what had happened was 
that Moses needed other people to help him with the ministry. And the Lord appointed 70 other prophets. The Spirit of the Lord came down on them and they prophesied. And I think that underneath all this was possibly her criticism was because she was being sidelined somewhat. Her position was being compromised. She was no longer one of the central leaders. Her attempt of criticism was to raise herself up in the community in front of other people. But that beautiful reading that Noella brought us here from Romans, you know, Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment according to the faith that God has given you. And he goes on to say that we all have different gifts. Don't criticize others, but honor other people's gifts. Honor them. See, Miriam had the gift of prophecy, but she overstepped the mark because God said, look, to some of the prophets, I just speak in dreams and visions, but to Moses, I actually speak to him face to face. To add to this, the writer of Numbers put in this verse, God said, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the other people on the face of the earth. Moses was a humble man. And I think that kind of exaggerates, if you like, the pride of Miriam. But it's interesting to note, isn't it, that when um, God struck her with leprosy, that Aaron cried out for mercy, and Moses cried out for mercy. And God actually was merciful. Even though Miriam had to go into MIQ out of the community for a week, when a person got leprosy in those days, it was usually a lifelong illness that could never be cured and there'd be an outcast. So God let her go outside the community just for seven days and then let her back in, healed, restored. And I think that says a lot about God's grace and his love, but also his discipline. One of the things about being a Christian is we need to be aware of the Lord's discipline in our lives. And we sometimes don't like that. But the Bible says um, a father who loves his child will discipline them. And God who loves us will discipline us because he wants to bring forth in our life that beautiful character of God. So as I wrap up, I just want to make three little concluding remarks. I think we can learn, first of all, that a small act of bravery can actually turn the tide of history or certainly can turn the tide of events in a person's life, just like Miriam did when she was a little girl. Be aware of those opportunities of reaching out to others. The second thing that we can learn is that we mustn't be afraid to praise God. I, I, I love it when people write their own songs. We often depend upon songs that have been written by others, but what would happen if in our community of faith people like Kevin started writing songs? And the way that I found this helpful is that in the mornings or whenever you have your time of quiet with God is to journal 
to write a poem to God, thanking him, reflect on your life. You know, what could be put to song could become a song that could bring deliverance to another person. I heard this amazing testimony on Radio Rima a number of years ago, and for some reason it came back to me while I was writing this message. I heard about a lady who was in a lot of trouble at home, and she decided for some reason to go to church. She wasn't a churchy person. And that night, she heard this song, Something Beautiful, Something Good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. Gloria Gaither wrote that song, and she went forward at the end of the service and knelt down and accepted Christ, and her life was changed around because Gloria Gaither had written the song. Because I think in Gloria's case, her life had been a mess, and she wrote this poem. It was put to song. You know, Paul says this about music. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And the third thing I think we can learn from this passage is not to judge others around us. Not to live in jealousy when God has given a specific call to somebody else We need to honour that. You know, David, the great King David, learnt that lesson. There was a time when he was in the wilderness being chased by Saul, and Saul was in a cave sleeping. And David's friend said, look, you could go in and kill him now. And this is what David said. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord the King, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. I always recall some years ago in a community centre in a church where some people in the congregation were criticising some decisions that the leader had made. And there was this sort of air of criticism and it was you could have cut the air with a knife and then someone stood up and said this. I think we should be very careful what we say as um, who are we to criticise the Lord's anointed? God called this man to our community. And the atmosphere in the room just changed like that. Never a truer word was said than that man. You know, Miriam had the opportunity in her life to show the people of Israel what it meant to live a life of love and servanthood without complaining, without being bitter. You know, we have the calling on our lives, if you like, to show grumblers and complainers in our own community and in our families what it is to be a servant of God. Let's draw other people closer to Jesus by the way that we respond um, to people uh, in our community in our families. Let's respond in a godly way. So Miriam's life was a life of responsibility and service. It was a life of calling, of providence. It is also important to learn a lesson from her life that God's discipline for personal sin is something that we need to respect and to thank God for. Amen. 
I'm going to ask our friend Morris to come up and lead us in prayers. Thank you, Morris, just praying for others.